Hi, this is Stuart Hardy with All In Sports Outreach, and I'm so excited to share a new episode of our podcast with you. Today, you're going to hear from Coach Braxton Harris. Coach Harris is currently the head football coach at Howard Payne University in Brownwood, Texas. He's married to Jennifer. They have three sons, but just an incredible man of God, believing in using the platform of athletics to uh, shine the light of Jesus. So without further delay, let's jump right into it. Well, thanks for joining me today, Coach Harris. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Excited to be here. You bet. So I'd like to start these off um, with some background information so the listeners kind of know a little bit about you as a person. So maybe tell us a little about where you grew up, your family growing up, and then your family today. Yeah, yeah. I grew up uh, a Texas high school coach's kid. Uh, my dad's a high school football coach, and uh, you know he kind of made a lot of stops all, all around the state of Texas. And, uh, you know, you ever heard that song about that names all the Texas cities? you know, that rambles them on real quickly. Uh, he's made most of them um, that we've been at. And so um, kid grew up going to football games on Thursday night. You're at a football game on Friday night. You're at a football game on, on Saturday morning. Uh, you're at the field house uh, watching film with dad or playing, getting in trouble, something like that on a, on a Saturday morning, um, you know, and then in the springtime going to drag meets. And so um, my mom is, is in education. She still is in education. My dad's retired now. Um, but like I said, grew up, uh, around Texas high school football. And this is all I ever knew. I remember my dad um, was looking at a job one time and talked about maybe getting out of coaching. And as a kid, I vividly remember, what are we going to do with our uh, Friday nights? What are we going to do on a Friday night in the fall if we don't have football to go to? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I grew up around it. Um, Very blessed to grow up in a a home um, that I was raised by two parents that, that loved the Lord, um, that, that took me to church, that gave me that opportunity at a young age um, to see that and um, be able to grow into that. And so um, that's something for me that the older I get, the more thankful and more blessed I am that I had that, that I had two parents that um, not only is football and family important, but also our faith in, in what we believe in is, is, as, is, is the most important. And that's what I was always taught at a young age, is that that's the most important thing. Um, and so grew up in that, in that situation, in that environment, and all I ever wanted to do since I was a little bitty kid um, was to be a football coach um, because I saw my dad do that. And so um, through that, got some great opportunities as a little kid. I got to go to um, FCA meetings um, and to be able to be a part of that. And we'd have players and kids over to our house all the time. And so, you know, to be honest with you, Stuart, I just thought that was pretty normal. I thought everybody hung out with high school kids um, when they were little kids. <laughs> Uh, didn't find out till later that I was the one that was a little different uh, in that spot. Um, and so, you know, very blessed to have that family and that background um, that they're able to draw from. And, you know, my family now, uh, my wife, Jennifer, uh, she and I are next uh, in four days. Matter of fact, we'll be married on the 27th, March 27th. We've been married for 10 years. Um, and so uh, I, my, my key to marriage is just hunker down. Uh, so um, that, that don't, don't, don't let her kick you out um, is what I've kind of gone with. And uh, so married, we have three kids, three boys, uh, Brooks, who is seven. And then we have twin boys, uh, Fisher and Cooper. And so um, they are all boy. Um, they go 100 miles an hour um, and they're always into something. That's for sure. How old are the twins? The twins are four. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so therefore, the funny story about that is, um, you know, you talk about God just kind of laughs at us. I, I, I truly believe that God sits up there sometimes and hears our conversations and just kind of chuckles and says, you got no clue what you're talking about. 
uh, the, the night before we go to get the ultrasound for when the twins were being bored, my, my wife and I get into this uh, uh, conversation, if you would say, I wouldn't say argument because that may look bad, right? Uh, but a conversation about do we want three kids or do we want two kids? Um, we'd already had one. And uh, then the next morning you go get the ultrasound and you got twins and uh, God just says, oh, uh, you got your plans. That's great. That's funny. Uh, here, here's, what I, here's what we're doing right here. You know, I got one very similar. We have three kids as well. And we were to the point just because of some complications. We were, I'd always said no more than two. Absolutely no more than two. And we were getting content with, okay, God, maybe, maybe uh, you're, you wants to have just an only child. My wife, we go in for a sonogram thinking that it's another miscarriage and it's two. There so you go. Uh, we have 13 year old <laughs> twins. Oh man. So, yeah. so you can survive it maybe? You can. I think it's, I tell people all the time, I really do believe that it's easier with twins when it's not your first. Okay. Um, you know, I think you're a little more relaxed, you know, with your, when you have your first, everything is a, a crisis Absolutely. every time they fall. So I think when it's your second round, I think it's just a little, I don't know. I think you're just more relaxed. <laughs> well, I got a buddy of mine, very, very good friend. Uh, he's, he had twins and they were the first. And so he started off with twins and he got to one and he's like, man, that one, that was easy. That was not a hard thing at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, our, our twins are boy, girl. Um, my wife's okay. fear was that it would be two boys because our oldest is a, is a boy. And she was, fearful of the house of all boys but um see that's That's, fun that's the house in which my wife lives in (laughs) wow i can't imagine especially seven and four that's uh that's a lot going on but you will survive they're always going going. that's right so um and you and you mentioned growing up in in, in a family of faith and we'll get back to your faith in a little bit i want to talk a little bit about um you mentioned being a coach but kind of your journey to there so you played college football um, at Mary Hart and Baylor, which um, for those outside of Texas is not the average division Division three football program. Um, it would be a, I would label it a powerhouse. Um, so talk about that process of recruiting and why Mary Hart and Baylor. Well, you know, I think like every kid, you know, when they're growing up, my dad played football out at Texas Tech. Both my parents went to Tech. And so my whole life, you know, to be honest with you, Stuart, as a little kid growing up, college football is what I wanted to do. And I always thought that, you know, I was going to go play football at Texas Tech just like my dad did. Um, and so grew up doing those and growing those things. And then as life goes on and, and you get a little bit older and this thing, you start to see um, how recruiting actually works. And, and where mm-hmm. you, just because you want to be able to do something doesn't mean you can do something. Um, you know, one of the things, the tough lessons that I had to learn at an early age, and I think every kid that has a desire to play college football has to learn this, um, is that just because you want something and just because you work hard at something doesn't mean you get something. Mm. Um, that some, some opportunities in life, they have to be given to you. Um, and, and to play Division One college football, to play Division Two college football, to play Division Three college football, you have to be given that opportunity. And, yes, working hard is one of those pieces of the puzzle to get there. Um, but you have to work hard and then be given that opportunity to be able to do those mm-hmm. things. And so, uh, to be completely honest with you, um, you know, I wasn't good enough to play at Texas Tech. You know, I was a 5'10 quarterback that was a good high school football player, um, but wasn't good enough to play at Texas Tech. And so, the next option you start sorting through is what does it look like for you? Um, I can remember wanted the, the, the Army um, coaches from West Point came down and um, they wanted me to come visit and. Uh, 
um, you know, sat down and told me, you know, all these cool things that you can do. And they said, you know, you can practice your job for six months after you get done with school. You know, you can get on the field training, on the job training. And I said, I want to be a football coach. You know, can I do that? Well, you know, you, you got to do three years of the service, but you can do that for six months. And um, I was like, well, that's not exactly what I was hoping for in that spot. And so just didn't feel like that was what God had for me and really leading me in that direction. And so the opportunity arose at Maryland and Baylor. Um, Coach Larry Harmon, who's the defense coordinator then and is still there now, um, recruited me. He uh, probably recruited me because my, my dad was the head coach more than anything, wanted to be keep that opportunity open um, for him. So I got the opportunity to go to Maryland and Baylor. And I vividly remember stepping on campus there. And uh, I just felt like this is exactly where God wanted me to be. And I had just such a peace um, about that process. Um, my journey there didn't turn out like an 18-year-old kid would think it would be. You know, I probably had, you know, 10, 15 snaps my whole career, so predominantly a backup quarterback. Um, and that wasn't necessarily how I wanted it to turn out, but that's what God had for me. And through those yeah. opportunities, you know, I think I got a lot of opportunities. I got to start coaching early. Um, which is when you're 18, nobody goes, man, what an advantage. You get to start coaching early. No, I want to be the star quarterback. You know? That's right. Um, but that wasn't what God had for me. And so I got an opportunity to, to go there um, and then be able to start coaching in really my senior year. And then when I got done um, with that and started my graduate school, Coach Fredenberg said, hey, I want you to coach the wide receivers. you think you can do that? Yes, sir. You know, and so you do what you got to do to do that. And, uh, you know, I don't think I would have been – you know, when I got this job as the head coach here, I was 31 years old. You know, I don't think I would have gotten this opportunity at such a young age um, if, you know, God didn't direct those paths in that way that that, that led me to Marion Baylor and led me to be able to get into coaching as, as soon as I was able to. What high school did you go to for graduating? Went from? to Mahia High School, Black Cats. Mahia. Only two Black Cats in the state of Texas, Bay City and Mahia. Wow. That's a piece of trivia there. A piece of trivia right there. I didn't know that. That's I don't know why that's surprising. It's, I guess because the state's so big. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you stayed on and coached at Mary Harden Baylor, but you have coached at high school as well, right? I did. Um, I was fortunate enough there to stay on um, as a receivers coach. I coached the receivers there. Um, then got done with my master's and uh, – fortunate enough to get on at Waco High School. So that was my first full-time job was at Waco High School. Um, I coached the secondary there. Uh, my dad had coached with one of their coaches there. And so that was kind of my opportunity to, to get a full-time job. And I was just getting married. And so it gave us gave me an opportunity for us to stay in that area. Uh, where my wife was starting to work. She took a job at a NICU um, at Scott and White there in Temple. Hmm. And so we wanted to try to stay in that area for her job. It was kind of her dream job coming out of, high, or coming out of college. And um, so it allowed us to be able to stay there and uh, allowed us to have a full-time job. And so we were very blessed for that opportunity. That's very good. And then from there, you coached where Texas Lutheran, is that right? Correct. Yes, sir. So I worked for Danny Ramsey at Waco High. Uh, coach Ramsey was there and he was the head coach there. Then uh, Danny Padrone um, was the head coach at Texas Lutheran University, which uh, Danny, his son, and I played football together at Mary Harden Baylor. Um, really good friends. He was in my wedding. Um, I was in his, and so he, he he got the head coaching job there at TOU. Um, kind of an interesting thing how God worked that is that when Danny got Danny got the job the year that I went to Waco High, and um, wasn't able to work it out. Didn't feel like that was the right thing for our family at that right time to go to TOU. Um, and then, in six months later, in in, in February, 
uh, Danny called me and said, hey, we're adding a position. And if you know anything about small college football, adding a football coach is not uh, the norm by any means. Um, he said, I'm adding a coach and I want you to come take this job. Mm. And uh, God just really opened up that door. Uh, it was a really, it was, it was a lesson for me to learn to, that, you know, just because God says, God doesn't always say yes and no. Sometimes he says not right now. Um, that's right. And that's what he said there at TOU. And uh, very thankful um, that we were obedient in that time because he opened that door down the road six months later for us to, to go there and join that staff. That's awesome. And then you end up at Howard Payne, you mentioned at uh, 31 years old. So talk about um, head coach at, at 31 and then just kind of the culture that you've built there with that football program. Wow. Three years ago, taking this job, I mean, I feel like that was yesterday and I feel like that was uh, 10 years ago, all in the same breath, if that makes sense. Um, I do notice that on the back of my head um, that the hairs are kind of thinning a little bit. I saw a picture of myself the other day and I told my wife, I said, I didn't have those when we got here um, as a head coach. I was the young assistant, looked good at that point in time. We had a full head of hair, um, don't have that anymore. And so uh, what a great opportunity and a learning experience this has been thus far. Um, you know, the, the first thing I think I learned is I didn't know very much. Um, mm -hmm. And so you know, we all come in with our plan and our idea. This is what we're going to do. Um, and then you got to figure out what fits and what's working and what's 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 happening there. And so, um, you know, you talk about culture and culture is a, a, a kind of one of those buzzwords um, in coaching profession that what the heck does that mean? What does culture mean to you? What does culture mean to me? Um, what are those things what do they mean to each person? I think it's different for us here at our program. We talk about all the time. Culture is what you do, not what you say. Um, mm. Everybody can have cliche words. Um, everybody can have walls uh, posted up, but culture is what you actually do. And so we talk a lot of times here about verbs. Um, verbs require action. And so, um, you know, we talk about those things that are important to us and, you know, the culture, we kind of tried to build it, you know, Stuart from day one about a process um, you know, when I took over this job, um, you know, they had lost 18 ball games in a row, um, hadn't had a winning season um, since 2005. Um, and so wow. it had a rough, rough road to, to go in front of us. Um, and so we, we talked about a process because we didn't I'm, I, I think you got to be honest with kids. Um, I'm not one of these guys that comes in and says, hey, we're going to win the national championship next year if we don't have what it needs to win the national championship. Um, our goal from the get go was believe in and trust the process. And we started off talking about um, embrace the process. Um, and so you've heard that a lot and you've talked about embrace. Um, the, the problem that I had with that after year one was, well, and embrace you and we embrace each other. There's a beginning and there's an end. Um, I didn't want the processes that we're trying to teach kids to have an ending point. I wanted these things to be able to take with them the rest of their life. And so after a year, we kind of changed who we were and we talked about fall in love with the process mm. um, because when you fall in love, there's, there's no end. It's always going to be there. You may not be in our building, um, in our locker room as a player, but we hope that you still love the process when you leave this place and it helps you become, you know, a better employee one day, helps you be a better father, better husband one day. We think these things that we're talking about learning about in our program, we think they, they, they go with you. Um, you know, I tell people all the time, I got three boys, love them to death. I love being around them because of this job. There's times I'm not around them as much as I would like to. And, uh, you know, I tell them if, if my whole job, if they ask me, said, Dad, why are you leaving? Why are you going out of town? And my answer is to win a football game. That's kind of silly. 
Um, but it, but if my answer is to be able to help young men grow to be the best that they can be um, spiritually, physically, um, and mentally, then, then that's something I can be proud of. And I hope, hope my three boys can be proud of their dad that's doing those things. I love that. I was writing down the difference you said between embracing and falling in love. I haven't heard it broken down like that, but you're right. The term culture, sometimes I even hesitate to put that down in questions because it is such a buzzword, not just in athletics. I mean, I'm in a, we're going to in an administrative support office and even our leadership the last year or two has been talking about the, the culture of the office and we need to change the culture. And then it, then yeah, then it becomes what 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 does that really mean? You know, right. and I think right. sometimes we do get caught up in the word culture, quote unquote, that we kind of miss miss the point, right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's 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 for us. You know, we felt like there had to be more. You know, if, if what we're teaching these kids is going to start when they come in as a freshman and end when they walk across that stage, and that's only purpose of our program, um, you know, it's kind of trivial to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So Howard Payne's a, a Christian university. So what is it like coaching, you know, being a person of faith? Obviously, I'm sure that's um, a great place to be because you can openly talk about your faith without, you know, any fear um, of against any rules, if you will. But what is that? So what does that look like um, from a discipleship standpoint with your staff and team being at a Christian university? Because Obviously, not everybody that comes and plays there um, believes the same thing. So what does that look like? Well, you know, that's uh, th- there's always pluses and there's always negatives of everything. You know, if you're a state school, the negative is you don't have the ability to openly say what you want to say when you want to say it. Um, but you probably have um, more of a platform, if you will, because there's not as many people saying the thing that you're saying. Um, here mm-hmm. in a private Christian university, uh, I mean, Stuart, you can find a Bible study on every corner on campus um, for mm-hmm. every different make a group of people. And so the opportunity to grow in your faith is there. Um, but kind of what you said, uh, we feel like our, our mission field and what, what are we here for? Our ministry is the guys in our locker room. Um, and so at the, at the same time that there's tons of opportunities around, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, football players are pretty close group knit knit guys you know they're not going to go out and share their feelings and sing kumbaya um, at the local coffee house Um, that's just probably not their personalities Um, and so you know is it is it a blessing that I can be able to talk about our faith and my faith here at this university without any repercussions absolutely you know Howard Payne University is a is a university is unapologetically a Christian university Um, we are who are no matter what those things for some people that turns them off for some people, that turns them on. Um, and for some people, they're just kind of, eh, you know, it is what it is. Let's continue on that. And so, you know, one of the things that we talk about um, through this time is, is that we are going to be who we are. We're going to be un- unapologetic in who we are and who we are in our faith. Um, but for me, what I hope that our kids see that, that you take your faith and you put it to work um, each mm. and every day um, and what you believe. And I, I'm a huge believer in, in loving our kids um, and loving them um, consistently um, for them to feel comfortable and that they are loved. If you walk into our facility and I tell kids all the time, if you're uncomfortable with another man saying, I love you, you probably need to go someplace else because you're going to be mm. told that you're loved. Um, 
What that doesn't mean, Stuart, is this. It doesn't mean you got a lot of guys that are walking around here that are floating on clouds that have glows like angels um, and that are perfect men. Um, you know, I tell our kids all the time, you're going to see us more authentically than my wife does. I, I behave really well around her. Um, sometimes I'm at the office. I don't behave as well as I should. Um, but they're going to see men that are that are authentic. And what I hope our guys see is that I hope they see what a man that looks like is going to strive to have a relationship with Christ. And, you know, here's the thing that I think that we miss the boat on as coaches. A lot of times we think we got to have all our stuff together. Uh, we don't have that. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever talk about you got to have all your ducks in a row. you got to be just like Billy Graham, and then you can start doing what I've called you to be able to do. Nowhere does it say that. Um, what I hope our kids see is they see in Coach Harrison and our coaching staff that, man, those are guys that love me. Um, those are guys that have a relationship with Christ. Um, and in that relationship, when they're wrong, Stuart, man, I hope that our coaches say, hey, uh, I messed that up. I shouldn't have done that in that situation. That was not the right way to handle that situation. Will you forgive me? Mm. Uh, because that's 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 part of growing as a man. Um, I don't know about you. Maybe I'm just uh, just a little bit more messed up than some other people might be. But I mess up all the time, you know, and, and how do I godly how does a godly man that's seeking Christ handle his messed ups? Um, does he, does he take them head on? Um, does he address them? Um, does he go to that person and admit that he was wrong? Um, mm. and then does he ask for forgiveness from that? You know, how humbling is it for a man to say, I, I'm sorry, will you forgive me, um, in that spot? And so what I hope our kids see is see those things. Um, but I hope that, you know, kind of talk to go back to your question, talk about discipleship. I hope our kids see that we love them. Um, mm. and I hope that they see, um, intentionally that we love them. Um, and that means through good times when they make the play, um, and then bad times when they don't make the play and good times when they make good choices in the classroom and bad times when they don't make good choices in the classroom. I hope that that's, that's the overarching theme. I would hope that kids would leave our program, that they would see that they're loved um, by our coaching staff and by us. That's good. Cause I had a question on down that talked about, Coaching as a believer versus uh, being demanding versus degrading. There's a lot of stuff in the media um, the last six or eight months. Um, I think it's off that show, Last Chance You, about you know coaches. You you got to cuss a kid. You got to yell at them, and it's and there's that fine line of um, correcting versus degrading. But I, I love that where you said you know you're going to mess up as a coach too. But you know I think the way you you deal with situations like that is, is that will you forgive me? Well, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think, you know, kind of your point to that, I, I thought that was a great question. I thought it was a very, um, it's a question we talk about all the time is, mm -hmm. is how do we coach our kids hard? Because I, I truly do believe that, uh, you know, we're going to coach our kids hard. You know, we're not going to tell you it's okay if it's not okay, you know, um, and we're going to coach them hard, but, you know, I hope that we love them harder in those spots, mm. you know, and I got something the other day that I thought was really good. We talked to our staff about is, you know, kids all the time, they say, well, I'm calling somebody, somebody, so-and-so out, you know, I don't like his actions coach. So I'm going to call him out. And yes, the, but the whole point of calling that kid out is because you see something in him that a level that he has not reached at that point in time, he is not reaching that expectation that you have for him, or maybe another player has for him. And so, so I got this, um, uh, uh, I can't remember if it was John Gordon or, or Tim or uh, Brian Kite. I listened to both those guys pretty relentlessly 
but he talked about call kids up. Don't call kids out. So mm. call the expectation you want them to get to, not putting them down to where the expectation that they are. Because I truly do believe that kids are going to live up to the expectation that you set for them. And so um, call the expectation up. Don't call the expectation out to them. Well, that's good. I love um, – I've read quite a bit of John Gordon's books for the last – Probably the last year, year and a half. Um, I heard him speak about a year ago, and so I got on this. I read mo- most everything's got out there now, and uh, just right. because I'm a simple person when it comes to reading, um, if it's a real long book and I'm out. So I look at his books for short chapters, but a lot of information in it. That's right. That's right. That's exactly. That's good. I mean, I'm sitting here just thinking as a dad too. That whole um, calling my kids up versus calling them out is is huge that kind of hits me right in the heart um you know because it's easier to call to call them out what you think about it the whole reason you're saying that is because you see something more in them um and you you want that and you care enough about them to be able to want that for them um but a lot of times what i found myself doing and guilty as charged in this is all you're talking about is what they're not doing you're not talking about what they can be able to do Um, that's right you know and ultimately, our motive is the same. It's just how about how are we going about it um, to get the result that we want? I don't know about you, but if somebody walks up to me and says, hey, Braxton, and I think you can be this much better of a head coach by doing A, B, and C, and D, uh, and I'm going to listen, you know, mm-hmm. um, versus I walking up to me and go, hey, Braxton, man, I think you're doing a horrible job at A, B, C, or D. Well, now all you're focused on is what you're not doing, not about what you can do. I'm guilty of that. <laughs> I agree. That's good. Yeah. So you talked about your wife and we talked about your three kids up front. So how do you balance? I mean, and being a head coach is demanding, right? So how do you balance that being a head coach of Howard Payne with being a husband and a dad? Well, you know, I think the first thing is, you know, when you're talking about how to, how to balance those two, you know, first and foremost, uh, who, who Braxton Harris is, is not a football coach. I hope there's a lot more to me than just a football coach. And so um, I, I don't want to be defined as a football coach. Um, you know, I want to be defined as um, a husband and as a father, um, a believer in Christ. I want to be defined as those things. Um, what I do is a football coach by my occupation um, and people, some people may disagree with that, but, uh, I hope who I am is not defined by what I do as a job, um, but how I do those things. And so, so my first priority is absolutely to my family. Um, I heard a coach say this one time when I was young and I thought it was really good is, you know, there's nobody that works harder than football coaches. Um, but when you go home, you're spent, um, your day's done. You've already had a 12 hour, 14 hour day and you're going home. Um, and you're done. You're tired. You're wore out. But you got three kids. I got three boys that all they want to do when I get home is to play. And uh, I had a, heard a guy say this one time. Um, he's the head coach at, uh, oh, goodness, uh, uh, Central uh, University in Pella, Iowa. Jeff Martin, I believe is his name. And uh, he said, you got to play tired. Uh, you ask mm. your kids, your players to play tired all the time. As a dad, you got to play tired. Um, so that means – Drink a spark, drink a Red Bull, whatever your energy drink of choice is on the drive home so that you can be home. And if it's for 30 minutes that they're awake, um, that, man, you got to be on for that 30 minutes. Um, 
And so, you know, I've always kind of tried to adopt that a little bit is play tired. When I go home, if I got an hour, give them, give them my attention for that hour. Um, sometimes I'm pretty good at that. Um, sometimes I fail miserably at that, um, to be completely honest with you. Um, but then the other thing coaching, I think, is, is the key is everybody wants to talk about the coach. Um, to me, it's about the coach's wife. Um, mm-hmm. And I am blessed um, beyond measure. God knew exactly what I needed in my wife, Jennifer. Um, she believes in what we're doing through our football program. Um, and that makes it so much easier. We're, we're going to have kids over their house. They're going to be involved in that so that our kids see that what we're doing is our program. And so it's not just my job. Um, it's, it's what we feel like is our calling as a family. So if, mm. if it's a calling as a family, it's a lot easier to believe in that. If it's your job that you go do, um, that's not as easy to be able to do. Um, and so the, the thing I would say is, is, is in, involve your wife in, in anything that you can. Involve your kids in anything that you can. Um, good, bad, they, they need those things. And they need those experiences um, to be able to vouch for it. And then they need to believe that that's why dad's not here is because what he's doing and they believe in those things. And so, you know, you come to our practices, you're going to see my kids at practice. You're going to see them running around up and down the hallways. There's a candy jar in my office. Um, our athletic <laughs> director's kids are in the buildings. So they're going to come get candy. Um, and that's a great thing to be able to do. And so, um, but at the end of the day, you know, you just got to choose it. Uh, you know, we talk about that a lot in athletics. You just got to choose um, that day. Are you going to be a good dad? Or are you going to call it, you know, lay up that day? Um, mm. And there's some days that you're going to fail miserably and some days you're pretty good at it. And so the days that you fail, try to minimize those days, try to maximize the days that you do a good job of that. That's good. I like the way you said, you know, a lot of people talk about it's not a job, it's a calling, but I like how you added this calling for your family. Um, because I, I mean, that, that's huge. Well, you know, for a lot of times, you know, in, in every, every husband and wife do it differently. For us, it's mm-hmm. always been a we thing. Um, I've never talked about a job, talked about going someplace, talked about doing anything else that Jennifer did not know about. Um, and so she wants to know what's going on. She wants to know what goes on in my life. She wants to know what um, is going on in her players' lives. She wants to be involved. Um, and the more people that we can have praying for our kids um, and being around our kids and loving on our players – um, you know, that's a big deal for that part. And then, you know, our players here at Howard Payne, they need to see that they got little kids that are looking up to them because they're a college football player. That's um, right. And, and that's all my kids want to be. They want to be Yellow Jackets when they grow up because um, that's all they know right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. So this next question is kind of talks about the role of sports and culture. Um, very divided, whether it's race, politics, religion, socioeconomics, you name it, there's division, but sports has a unique ability to tear those walls down. So your experience in sports, whether as a player, as a coach, how have you seen football, in your case, tear down that those dividing walls? Well, you know, I think the first thing is in coaching, uh, you have to come to grips and identify that this world is trying to pull people apart. Um, mm. And if you think they're just going to walk into your locker room and they're going to be unified because they put the same shirt on, um, because when I was in school, maybe that's what you did. Maybe when you were in school, that's what you did. Um, it's not it's not the case anymore. Um, for us here at Howard Payne, that's something we focus on. How do we unify? How do we bring our guys together? Um, how do we get guys from different backgrounds, um, from different religions, from different races, from different socioeconomics backgrounds? How do, how do we get them to cross over so that they can see value in somebody else? 
Um, mm-hmm. And so one of the things that we do, we address it. Um, halfway through the year this past year, we had a bye week. We had five games before and we had a bye week. And, uh, you know, Stuart, we felt like we had some some areas of our team that weren't completely cohesive. Um, and so what we did is we just flipped the whole locker room. We put – if there was a kid that we didn't think knew another kid very well, we put them right beside each other. Hey, you're going mm. to be a locker right beside you. If you're an offensive lineman and maybe you're not around a corner very much and you're good, we're going to put those guys beside each other. Um, so what it did is it forced some conversations that normally wouldn't have happened um, to being able to do those things. So I think the first thing to answer your question is be aware that it's not just a given that they're going to unify and be together because they wear the same T-shirt. You know, um, In the locker room today, that is absolutely an issue that we face, and we have to be intentional in teaching those things. Um, because if you don't, if you're not in their ear about that, you know, you're a John Gordon guy, um, where there's an absence of communication, negativity will seep in. If you are not communicating to them about being unified together, um, negativity will seep into those guys in that spot. So I think you got to address that. You know, but then the second thing, I mean, here's the great thing about athletics. If you can make the play and you can help our football team, I really don't care. Most of our guys don't care much more than that. Um, and at the end of the day, there's some, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, mm-hmm. it help us be able to achieve our common goal. Um, then let's do it together and let's grow together. And that hopefully through that, that they're going to see value in each other and learn to value each other as men, but then also what each of us come from and what we bring to the table. How do we be able to work those things together? But I think the whole bicycle thing to me is about one person not seeing value in somebody else's differences. Um, Absolutely. If we value each other, um, there's, there's no different. There's no, uh, there, there won't be that divide. Yeah, I like that. I mean, just a simple reminder. Um, and I've asked this question a lot, but you know, just being aware that just because they're wearing the same t-shirt or Jersey doesn't automatically mean that everybody's unified. That's good. That That's a good reminder. Well, I mean, and, you know, here's the other thing that goes on, and we see it all the time, um, is that even if they're making plays, you know, I just said, well, hey, if you make plays, you can help us and nobody else cares. Well, nowadays, kids, kids, they want to make not just that play, they want to make that other play too, and I want the ball in this situation. And, mm. and it's a me mentality. Um, and so you're really trying to be able to talk kids into doing something that the world tells them that they shouldn't do to care about That's somebody right. else than they do themselves. Um, you know, when you and I were going to school, kids had that same mentality. They had that same thought process. Um, but your mom or dad, you know, got that out of you, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. however they chose to do that. I was, uh, my parents got it out of me a little differently. Uh, but, uh, you know, mom and dad wouldn't agree with that or put up with that. Um, well now in the world that we're living in, mom and dad are supporting that. Um, they're the ones pushing that issue. Um, and that's where we've had some issues that I've seen in our society um, where you have retention issues, um, you have the transfer portal um, that is crazy. Um, it's not healthy for the game. Um, it's not healthy for our society. It's not healthy for men to be able to pick up and leave anytime they want um, with no repercussions. Um, and so to me, I think it all comes back to that is that um, we've lost focus on what being a man is, um, mm. what that definition of a man looks like and and to me football and athletics is the last chance that our society has to be able to get that back like yeah i love that that's good stuff because you're right it's so easy now just to 
whether, you know, football being the example, that transfer portal is just, to me, it's just teaching just, oh, I'm not happy, you know, just pick up and go. And I tell, I tell people all the time, grass isn't always greener. Sometimes ours just needs to be mowed. And, you know, and that's what we challenge our kids all the time is, you know, that they're going to look and they're going to find different things and we can all find something better than the situation that we have. I mean, everybody, no matter what area in life you're at, mm-hmm. uh, we tell kids all the time, like you said, the grass ain't always green. And we're looking for guys that don't look for the green grass. They want to look to make the green grass. Hey, mm. what do I got to be able to go to work to make this green grass? I want people that's to right. look at this place. Uh, my goal for Howard Payne is by the time I leave it, um, Howard Payne is a place that coaches and players alike have a strong burning desire to be there um, because of that program. Um, and not enough people roll up their, their sleeves and get to work. They want it all handed to them. Um, that's right. And it's just not, I don't care who tells you that. I don't care if your mama tells you that, if your dad tells you that, um, who, um, it just ain't true. Um, and, and that's a sad, sad state of society that we're, we're living that way. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Good conversation there. Um, I just next can get on a footbox there. So uh, keep me. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I was going to say we probably could just do a whole other hour just on that. Um, <laughs> this next question um, is more some advice, if you will. So, I mean, especially since you've coached at both the public and mm-hmm. private um, schools, whether it's high school, college. So what would you say to that student athlete or coach that is a believer understands that athletics is a platform, but wants to really step it up and using that platform um, as a means to, to, to shine bright, if you will, for Jesus. Well, you know, two things I'd, I'd say that number one, if you don't use your platform that you've been given, uh, God will take that away from you. Um, there's no question about it, that if you don't use it, that uh, we are here. I'm in this role as the head football coach at Howard Payne. Uh, because God has placed me here uh, and make mm-hmm. no bones about it. I fully understand that. Um, and so if you don't use your platform, uh, you will lose it and God will take those things away from you. I truly believe those things. Um, and then number two, you know, the, the thing I would say is that the world doesn't need another football coach. The world doesn't need another great football player. Um, the world needs more people, more men that are going to show them Christ and how they live their lives. Um, I think the devil really kind of puts into us uh, a a spirit of timidity um, and fear of saying the wrong thing. Or um, here's the big one. Nobody wants to talk about is the hypocrisy. I don't want to be a hypocrite. If I say that, but I did this, well then what do I look like at the end of the day? Yeah, we're all hypocrites. We we all are. Um, And so for us, um, those feelings of inadequacy, those feelings of I'm not good enough, those feelings of, I don't know what to say. um, Those are not, not from God, uh, not the God I serve. Um, That's right. those feelings are straight from, from Satan and he's telling you those things. And so, um, the thing I would say, uh, in those things is you do your job, you know, as coaches, we talk all the time about you do your job and the team will come together. Um, our job as believers is to be obedient to God's calling upon our life. It's not to save people. It's not to be able to change their life. It's our job to be obedient and do what God calls us to do. And so, um, if God's calling you as a coach, um, to be able to, how do I be more intentional in sharing my faith? Pray for those things. God will give you those opportunities and pray that God will open your eyes to be able to see when that opportunity is right there in front of your face. Um, because if you pray for those things, he's going to give them to you. Um, and then just go do, um, you know, kind of in coaching, you know, we always talk about failing fast. 
Uh, if you're going to mess up, fail 100 miles an hour going as fast as you can. That's the same way with what you're, you're sharing in, in, with your spiritual life is share with those kids. You get chances to be able to have a conversation with a kid in your office and he's struggling. Why not ask him the question? Hey, man, do you have a relationship with Christ? Mm. Is, is that something that's a, that's a part of your life? See what they say. Um, you know, having those conversations, you're not going to hurt anybody's feelings by asking those things. Uh, most of the time that opens up an opportunity for you to be able to share what God has for you. Um, That's right. But the, the two things I would say is you better, you better be using it or God's going to take it away. And number two, do your job and, and don't be, uh, don't be meddling in what God's job is. Um, his job is to change hearts and, and to save souls. Our, ours is to be obedient to what his calling is on our life. That's good stuff there. I like that. I wrote, I wrote that down. Um, you know, using the platform, you'll take it away. But I really like that the world doesn't need another good football coach or player, and you can insert whatever career there is. He doesn't need another salesperson or whatever. You know, he's yeah. just, you know, God's God's got us all where 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 we need to be. And you know, you talked about, uh, you know, if you're looking for opportunities to share to pray for them. But I I tell people all the time, don't pray for it if you're not serious. That's right. That's right. Because the minute you pray for it, you better, you better look out. That's right. And throw it out there. Throw it yep. out there. Fail fast. We tell our kids That's all right. the time, fail fast. If you're going to mess up, mess up 100 miles an hour. All those are these coaching cliches that we always use. They're true. They're true in how you share your faith and how you live your life. Um, if there's anybody that can tell you about failure, it is me. I can tell you about failure. Um, and that's part of it. And you're not going to mm-hmm. live a perfect life as a football coach. Uh, nobody wants to say this, especially in the Christian world. You're going to say something, and you're going to say it out of anger that it ain't good. It ain't a positive thing. But what are you going to do about it when you do those That's things? Right. Are you going to handle those things in a way that honors God, or are you going to just kind of, ah, well, let's just act like hopefully nobody heard me? Um, and so for, for me, I hope that our kids see um, in me a, a guy that – is going to mess up and they know coach Harris is going to mess up, but they also see that he's going to be honest and authentic. And when he does mess up that he owns it Um, because I think that's pleasing and honoring to God. That's awesome. That's good stuff. So this next question, um, I know, I know growing up in a family of faith, um, being around the church and FCA and stuff, you've been around a lot of, a lot of Bible studies. So a lot of people grow up with that go-to verse um, so I was going to ask if you had one you'd share or option B is there one that God has really shown you recently and used in your life that you would, you would share with us. Yeah. You, you know, recently the, the verse that really since January is really kind of uh, hit me hard is, is Psalms 139 verses 23 and 24. Um, Search me God and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Um, for a football coach, doesn't that just put it all in? I mean, it's a, in two verses, it nails everything that you're talking about um, in athletics. It talks about your heart. Where we talk about, I mean, I think your heart is a huge part of it. Um, anxious thoughts, heaven forbid, never, a football coach or an athlete is never anxious about something, right? Well, who yeah. knows that it's about those things, right? Uh, and then see if there's any offensive way in me. Um, if we want to grow as an athlete, we have to be coached. Um, you have to see things that are that you're not doing as well as you can do. And that is exactly the same thing. See if there's any offensive way in me. See if there's things that I'm failing at, God, that, that I'm missing the boat at. 
and let me see those things. And why do you want to do those things? Why do you want to get better? Because your way is everlasting. Um, and it is something that we're working for that is eternal, um, not just of this world. And so that's a verse that our pastor here um, read to us and, and shared with us at the first of the year. And that's really kind of been the verse that's really stuck in my head um, this semester. And I, I'm uh, I, kind of like you said, I'm a simple man. I, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. And so uh, I've got these a verse on my desk with a note card and I try to memorize it. And so um, I try to read it over and over and over. Um, and it's amazing, Stuart, how many times since this verse has been in my life since January, how many times God has brought people to me um, that this verse has spoken to them in that spot. And uh, mm. that's nothing Braxton's done besides be obedient to God being um, but by tying myself into God's word. Um, but, you know, if we truly want to be the best, you got to pray this prayer. Um, and, and if you want to be the best um, at your walk with the Lord, you've got to find the things in your life that are offensive um, to him, um, to the to the Lord, not just uh, the things that everybody sees. You're going to see the other things in your life that are offensive that maybe just you and him know about. Um, but if you truly want to be the best, you want to clean those things up. Um, and, and that's something that, that God has been very intentional with me. Um, about this year in 2020. Um, and that's something that, that I want to continue to be able to grow forward with. That's a good one. It really stuck out to me right before Christmas. I was going through the book of Psalms with a, with a group. Um, and, you know, I've read that. I've heard that verse probably most of my life. But it just right. seemed like just this last year, just something about it just jumped out. And I wrote it down on a note card as well. And it's stuck stuck with me because I feel like and I don't do it every day, but you know, if, if that would just be my daily prayer, um, how much better I would be each day. So right. thank you for sharing that. That's a reminder for me to go find that note card. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I tell you what I've learned, Stuart, and I think that's made me a better football coach is uh, I got three little boys at home that I'm responsible for. That's um, right. And they're looking at their dad, um, for their spiritual guidance and what a man's supposed to look like. Um, and and uh, then I got a hundred and something kids here that are looking to me to be able to be that spiritual guide as well while they're here at Howard Payne. Um, and uh, man, I want, I, I want to be the best period. I want to be the best. And so I want to be the best for them. Um, and if I'm not asking those questions of myself, then I really, I'm really just talking about wanting to be the best. I'm not, I'm not living that life like you talked about to be the best. That's right. That, that, that's a good perspective right there. It's like kind of a, a gut check, a heart check about am I, am I just giving, giving God some lip service right. or am I sincere? That's right. That's right. Absolutely. That's I, I love, uh, uh, you know, I, I used to live up around Dallas when the Cowboys were the Cowboys you know, and Jimmy Johnson walked in there with that swagger that he had as the head football coach. And, you know, he always talked about if you're going to talk the talk, you got to walk the walk, you know. And that was his, well, how about them Cowboys deal, you know, when they'd win because they'd walk the walk. Um, sure. and there's so much that, you know. And uh, I believe that our God is not a God that is um, afraid to walk the walk or to talk the talk and walk the walk and have that confidence to be able to do those things. And as we as believers should be able to do the same thing. We should have great confidence. Uh, we should live our lives with a confidence and, and a, uh, that nobody else has because we have confidence in the knowing where our faith and, and our lives really lie into. And so why should we not walk around this earth without that confidence of knowing those things? Hey Amen. That's good stuff. All right, so we're going to close it out with this one last question. Um, 
kind of a practical question. The two words all in, I mean, it's all over the place, T-shirts, wristband, you name it. Um, Don't have to explain what it means in sports, but it's also, you know, in the gospels, Jesus talks about, if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a follower of mine, you got to be selfish, you got to deny yourself. So, you know, this is, like I said, a practical question, Braxton, on a daily basis. What does it look like for you to be all in for Christ? Oh, man, that's a loaded question right there. Uh, <laughs> uh, talk about putting my feet to the fire. That puts my feet to the fire. Um, you, you know, to, to be all in um, in that, you know, I, I love listening to coaches all the time. I talk to listen to Mike Krzyzewski, um on one of the things, and he talks about, you know, people talk about buy-in, which is very similar. You got to buy-in. You got to be all in. All those cliches that we talked about. Well, he took the word buy-in, which I would equate to all in here, and he said, you know, I really don't, uh, I, I want to focus more on believing because if, if they believe it changes your life. Um, and, and that's the thing I would say uh, for me is hopefully um, my beliefs in Christ change how I live my life. Um, does that mean I get it right every day? No, that doesn't mean I get it right every day. Um, but what I hope is being all in um, is each and every single day, Stuart, you get back up off the mat um, that you keep going, that you keep trying um, that when you have those days that are people tell you no, 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 um, that you keep keep believing that. That th- the time maybe a young coach is trying to share his faith with one of his players and the player doesn't respond how he thinks he's going to respond. Keep trying. Keep mm-hmm. moving forward. Um, continue to, to, to be able to do those. And so to me, um, all in uh, means you're all in all the time. And be, be all in where you are at that moment. Um, because God's going to use you if you'll let him in that kind of referring to kind of what we talked about earlier. Um, if you're going to ask God, use those, be ready to be able to those. But, um, you know, for me, all in means be where you're at and keep moving. Um, mm. There's a lot of things in life that you're going to get an opportunity at. If you'll just look to that guy to that left and look to that guy to the right and just say, I'm going to outlast him in this deal. Um, and I equate that to my spiritual walk too, is that there's things that I can grow at and there's things that I can overcome if I will just keep on moving forward um, on days that I fail, keep moving forward on days that I succeed, keep, keep moving forward in that spot. And so um, for me with my spiritual walk, um, it's exactly that it's keep on moving each and every day. Um, the greatest thing in athletics and the greatest thing in, in with Christ is every single day. And when the sun comes up, you get a new opportunity to be able to do something with what you have, um, what you've Man. done in the past. You're absolutely be held accountable for there's no question about that that's part of life Um, but you have a new opportunity in front of you that day and what are you going to do with that new opportunity so to be all in is keep moving keep keep going to where you're going to be able to go keep living the life god wants you to be able to live well that's good that's just a good a good challenge too um you talked about psalm 139 23 and 24 being something to pray every day and then just the thought that my belief in christ should change how I live today every moment um not just how not what I do but also what I think and what I say say well those two things that's that's good um good stuff I I don't know I know listeners will be encouraged by that but I know I know I I have been for sure well you know I think I think we as Christians sometimes and especially in coaching I think we you know we expect to live this perfect life you know, and if you fall short of that, there's almost that feeling of, well, why even try? You know, mm-hmm. if, if I can't live this certain life to live at this standard, then why even try? Um, and 
I just think that's that that doesn't come from God. Uh, that comes from um, from Satan that wants to be able to pull those things. And at the end of the day, uh, we shouldn't be able to live that life. The only way that we can live that life is through Christ. Um, and I think a lot of times as coaches, we make it more about us in those relationships, and it should be about God using us mm. in those relationships. I know that's where I've made my mistakes in, in the past is where I make it about me and what I'm saying and what I'm delivering, and I'm not just being obedient to what God is and uh, I'm not just seeing myself as a vessel. I see myself as the answer to some of those situations. And as a coach, that's tough because you, you got to have the answers to a lot of things. That's right. Yeah. No, but I, th- I think that's a natural reaction though um, of human pride, right? Absolutely. It's, it's about me. Especially as a male, as a male your, your job is to fix it. Um, oh yeah. You know, I hear that a lot at home. <laughs> I'm not telling you to try to get a solution. I just want you to listen. Right. And so um, sometimes we, we do those things and we're natural fixers. And sometimes it just ain't our job to fix. It's just our job to go. Uh, that's right. That's good. That's seen those. So um, sure, deal, sure, man. sure appreciate what you're doing. Uh, thanks for giving, giving me this opportunity to have this platform. Um, you know, like I said, uh, we need more coaches. We need more coaches. We need more young people to see um, that it's more than just sports and that what we're given is, is a platform and is an opportunity and what we do with it um, is, is, is where we're going to be held accountable for that one day. And um, that's what I hope our kids were able to see. And so I just appreciate you giving, giving me this opportunity to share kind of about myself and my faith and, and what we try to do here at Howard Payne. Um, but also thank for because all these coaches that, that get to see those things, you know, if, if one guy um, is able to see and, and be able to see that there's a different way that you can still desire to be the absolute best at what you're doing as a coaching field and still live a life that makes a difference of eternal impact. Um, man, I think what you're doing is, is, is making eternal, um, as the guy says, it's kingdom work. Um, not That's just right. so, um, you know, That's awesome. I, thank you for giving me this opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity of providing all of the coaches in our profession to be able to see these things. Well, I appreciate your time and, and, and your encouragement. I mean, it really means a lot. Well, um, it makes a difference. Um, in a time like this where you got a ton of negativity and you got a ton, if, mm. you, if, you, don't, if you don't get instant gratification, um, then something's wrong with you. Um, what, what a great platform for you to be able to share. And, and I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. And You don't have to do those things. You just feel like that's what God's called you to. And thanks for, thanks for doing. You bet. Thank you again to Coach Harris for taking time to, to share a little bit of his heart with us today. I know if you were just to take a glimpse of my notes, I was truly encouraged. Um, just how he challenged me as a, as a husband and a dad. You know, I'm, I'm looking at one of the comments he said, as a dad, you have to play tired. You know, we talked about coaches always asking players to push through. And, and as a dad, we often have to do that. Um, just an encouragement to coaches. He said, you know, the world doesn't need another good football coach. So using your platform for good, for being that strong Christian coach out there, that applies to to all of us. But I just want to just wrap it all up with this. He said, all in means to believe, and that your belief in Christ changes how you live your life every moment, every day. That is what we're all about that our belief in Christ should change the way we live every moment of every day. So I know 
Um, that struck me. I've read that comment multiple times since we recorded this episode, and I know it's just something I'm trying to think about every day now, that as I evaluate my life, asking the question, if, if every thought, if every word, every action, does it reflect that I believe in Christ? Because that's what the world needs right now. I hope it encourages you as well. I'd ask you to share this episode with somebody, somebody in your life you feel like could use some encouragement, could use some uplifting. Share it. If you're not a regular subscriber to this podcast, whatever platform you're using right now, click the subscribe button. There's over 120 previous episodes that um, I know will encourage you, and there's some a lot more coming. I'm so excited about the future of this podcast and some of the guests we have coming I know have really um, poured into me, and I know we'll do the same for you. Lastly, um, we love to hear from you. So if you go to our website, allinsportsoutreach.org, or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just type in All In Sports Outreach. You can find out who we are, why we do what we do. You can interact with us, send us messages. We love to hear from people. So check us out. Thank you for your listening. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. And thank you for your encouragement.